Welcome to another episode of How You Can Too with your host, your boy, Alvy, a.k.a. Danny, a.k.a. Mr. You Can't Too. I almost can't believe it is December already. The home stretch, the final month of 2020, a year of, for me, challenge, growth, opportunity, big time to go within and learn even more. I hope 2020 is coming to a strong end for you. I'm super hype about today's show. I got my buddy Anthony Baron Kirk in the building. And in today's episode, we dive into how to overcome social programming, overcoming trauma, how to connect to things that are bigger than yourself, and the importance and how foundational breathing and breath work is. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do enjoy it, please be feel free to share it with your friends, family, and loved ones. It would mean the world to me if you leave a review and a five-star rating. Have a phenomenal day. Enjoy the show. And as always, you can too. Welcome world. I have an incredible, special, dear to my heart guest in the building today. I got Mr. Anthony Baron Kirk, who is a lifestyle, nutrition, and movement coach, a licensed Czech practitioner, holistic lifestyle therapist, and personal life system strategist. And above all of that, he is just an amazing, amazing person. Anthony, welcome to the show, my brother. Hey, Alvy. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be here today. Absolutely. First thing I have to say, so... For everyone listening, Anthony and I met just, gosh, I guess it would be only be like three, four weeks ago. That's right. And I already feel like we have such like a close bond and a connection. And when I was in our HLC2 class, so Holistic Lifestyle Coaching, part of the Czech Academy, man, every time you spoke, I was just like, man, this is the type of dude that I am into. And like the amount of like insights that you provided, the amount of knowledge that you had and your overall presence is just so open and welcoming that I think that's so important. And for me, it's so inspiring to see other men in the world like that. So Mm. I really want to know, Anthony, how did you get into being this lifelong learner of health? wellness, growth, and overall just high vibrations. Yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, man. Full gratitude. I appreciate those words a lot. They, uh, you know, they, they, they land, um, they land in a way that makes, makes it feel like home. And I just, I want to, I want to shoot that back to you too. I mean, it was such a joy to, uh, to be in that class and, you know, and to meet you, you just have this really welcoming, like Papa bear kind of energy. (laughs) I was like, Oh man, I just want to hug that guy. (laughs) I want to feel that energy. And likewise, man, I really appreciated your story and background. And, you know, I think it's the beautiful thing that connects us in this space is, you know, we, we come into this, most of us that come into it with, with real authenticity or real, you know, kind of genuine spirit, 
we have a background somehow that pushed us in this direction, you know, right. and that's, that's totally it for me. I mean, I got into the, you know, I got into it, um, in my early twenties. I mean, I sort of have a, I don't know, in some ways sort of a lucky background, I guess I would say, you know, a real whole family, um, you know, whether it be, we, we always had dinner and whole foods and, and my parents were sort of product of the sixties and super smart, really intellectual, uh, but also deeply loving. My mother was a Zen Buddhist at an early age. She got me into mm -hmm. that meditation and books on Taoism and Zen Buddhism. And, and I started reading those at a pretty early age and they just always resonated somehow. I didn't get it so much. I mean, they're just words. They were so um, so mystical and so expansive, and I didn't have any sort of concept of them, uh, other than uh, they were practical in a way. Also, and I read some real practical uh, daily affirmations in this book of Taoism, and, <clears throat> and I just sort of figured out a way to apply those to my life early on, and. Um, you know, and then I, I went on to the university. I went to Eugene in Oregon, and it's just total hippie town, and it was just huge into <laughs> organics and vegetarianism and veganism and, and, you know, experimented with these things. But the biggest thing that came out of that time in my life was a real connection to food and organic mm -hmm. food, you know, at like 18. And I'm 45 now, so, I mean, it's, it's a pretty long road of that. Um, and... Then I came, I really started to dive deeply into it from a, from a, um, I guess I would say physical standpoint when in my early twenties, I just felt broken physically. Uh, my background is, is, is in solo sports, um, and soul sports, you know, so a lot of skiing, I did do some ski racing, surfing, windsurfing, mountain biking, um, rock climbing, um, this, all these sorts of sports that um, it, at times I pushed the envelope and um, suffered a lot of injuries. And, and right around the same time, I was getting really into bodybuilding, which is kind mm. of interesting and funny, but <laughs> gives a background of some of my own personal shadow work that I've had to do and sort of body dysmorphia and reasons of why I felt that I needed to be so big and so much bigger and put on so much muscle. And a lot of it, there was a practical reason. I, I thought that the more muscle I had, the more shielding I had from high impact falls. <laughs> and it makes sense. Yeah, and there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, you're, you know, you of course have football in your background, and and uh, you know all about that. I mean, you got to put the meat on the on the bones to protect the vitals, you know, and um, and you know just sort of. Many of those things and others just in combination and concert got me into uh, training, uh, personal training, and, and just a, a real awareness of, of um, what went into health and, and creating uh, better outcomes and better gains at first. But then it, it started to move into therapy and physical therapy and how can I get out of my aches and pains and hey, I'm 24 years old. There's no way I can set forth into my adult life with chronic low back pain and knee pain and um, neck issues and, you know, other things. And so 
so I dove, I dove in and really started to solve a lot of my own personal issues. And I started training people and really teaching from that place, mm. just profound personal experience. Like, Hey man, this totally works for me. And this is what I experienced. Let's see how it works for you. And then just started having really good success stories and, um, that kind of moved into more holistic lifestyle coaching as I started to build into that realm. And then, um, you know, in terms of like spiritual growth and, and um, personal, um, personal growth in the mental emotional space and the relationship space, I started just really digging in deep to programming. Um, mm. personal programming, cultural programming, parental programming, educational programming, even though I didn't grow up in any religion, I'm just a, an awareness of ancestry and ancestral religious programming. And um, that took me into um, a time in my life where I did a year experiment with raw foodism and veganism. Um, and the good that came out of that was interesting is that is it, it um, put me headfirst into um, medicine ceremonies. And so mm -hmm. I started, um, you know, I started going into that fairly deeply into ceremony work with, with plant medicines and, and um, groups of really, really powerful women who just showed me all the ways in which um, I was in conflict with uh, my own programming and mm. things that ultimately I was able to see as that were not mine, but I had, I had activated them. They were in me and I was, I was sort of processing through them or, or reacting to situations or relationships through them, but I had never had the opportunity to see it, you know, as an observer more objectively and saying, okay, mm. I see this. It's not mine. Ah, but where does it come from? Oh, okay, I can trace it, you know, maybe back to an experience with my dad, or I can see this in ancestry with our colonial background and history of conquering and, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, or just our relationship to the earth and planet. And, and it's really when I started going into those sorts of realms and, and coming out on the other side and being taught early on, think, thank goodness, this concept of integration, mm. where I was like, okay, this, this stuff is wonderful. It's powerful. You can do 10 years of psychotherapy in two nights, <laughs> right. you know, um, but it's all about integration. How am I integrating these things into my relationships and my life and the way I speak and how I feel in my body and my connection to my nervous system? Um, yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, that's kind of a broad brushstroke. Hopefully that answers yes. a bit. <laughs> oh, no, for sure. For sure. And I, and I appreciate you giving us insight into all of that, because when I hear you talk about your journey and how it started, it very much reminds me of my own personal journey that I'm on. And to hear about how a lot of your growth started with food is very reminiscent to me because once I started to eat a different way, it was like a veil was lifted over my head. And when I was first changing the way I ate for say aesthetic reasons, while that was one of the, you know, positive things that came from it, an even bigger positive was this realization of like, man, 
how amazing life can be when I have more energy, when I feel good about my body, when my you know physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual self is all working together. And I see with you, you know, you went through that journey of, hey, it started with the food. And then going into your early 20s, you started feeling broken. And it's like, okay, what can I do to like build and heal my body? And you did that through food and also through movement. But then also understanding at the same time with the movement, it's like, yeah, one part of me wants to, you know, start adding some meat to the bone to prevent myself from injury. And at the same time, there was a part that was like, hey, there's parts of my body that I'm not really like comfortable with or I'm not confident with that I want to change. And that's extremely uh, relevant to me as well, because, you know, I was always the overweight kid growing up. And, Mm. you know, I always had to, uh, you know, I had so much insecurity around that. And I used to like be mean and make fun of other kids because Mm. it was so easy to make fun of the fat kids. I had to be like super witty to be like, oh, you're not going to, you know, get me before I get you type of thing. But Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that until I was much older and I started integrating the plant medicine and I started to really work on, you know, deconditioning all of these aspects of myself that similar to you were not even my own, right? They came from, you know, ancestry, past traumas, you know, things that my parents had went through. And I think that's like a really good point to touch on because I don't know how common that is for most people to realize. I have conversations all the time with people and very few even understand that there is a link to a lot of the trauma that they're feeling, not even being their own, yet they're Mm -hmm. living it as their own. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, Anthony, how do you work with people to help them understand that like some of this trauma that they may be going through may not even be their own trauma? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge... You know, that's a huge thing to unpack. <laughs> um, I, I've found in my experience that there are multiple uh, approaches that work with multiple layers of, uh, you know, each, each human, you know, each human's experience. And so when I'm working with a client, you know, or a patient, uh, depending upon, you uh, you know, depending upon what they have, what they have come to me and really said and 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 openly recognized as um, the help that they need, and so we sort of always start with where they are. It's this idea, of course, we were talking a lot about this in our HLC class. Meet meet them where they are, and Absolutely. you know, from there, gradually as trust builds we can start to go into deeper areas of their, you know, of their life or, or of their experience. Um, and so some of those initial layers that I, that I believe create the ability to go into any of these spaces would be things like meditation, breath work, just breathing. I mean, just like really helping someone restore a diaphragmatic breath pattern as a, as a first step. And then integrating that into, 
some kind of meditation practice or you know observation practice i like to call them where Mm. they begin to create this skill um, to become more of a holistic thinker and so that skill Mm. is recognizing the observer and recognizing that they can begin to observe their mental patterns their thoughts um, you know uh, their their emotional um, states uh, and that that all grows into a greater and greater abilities to, uh, for instance, to, to to cultivate tolerance. And so tolerance is this idea of instead of reacting, I respond. Well, the difference between those two is one, you know, you are just you react. It's almost like there's no separation. There is no awareness of the observer. It's just a reaction, and that might be a trigger that might trigger you back into a pattern, you know, a mind virus, um, a deep mental emotional state that, of course, has corresponding physical, um, you know, physical um, aspects to it or, or results or symptoms. You know, versus responding is this ability to, you know, you're growing that holistic thinker where you can, you can sort of you can you can see um, what's happening inside your head. Oh, I can I I feel myself being triggered. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what does that feel like, and where am I feeling that, and how have I felt that before? And in this moment, I I feel that I actually could choose to do something else. I could mm-hmm. I could um, say something different. I could breathe. I could choose to just not say anything and just drop into you know, deep diaphragmatic breathing and ask, and, and ask a question like, what would love do? Mm. You know, and all, so, I mean, it's like, there's so many different techniques and I like to start people just, just sort of one by one with creating more and more awareness through breath and through, um, through these sorts of like contemplation kind of meditations where you just become aware of who's breathing, you become aware of your bodily sensation. A huge one is becoming aware of your nervous system. Mm. And I know for me, when I first started Qigong, I was like, holy shit, man, there's so much static there. I remember it, it feeling like a TV Way back in the day, you know, I grew up, there was like, I remember black and white TV. We had a black and white TV, if you can imagine. And then a color TV. And it's like the rap, <laughs> the rabbit ears, like getting stations, right? And it's some, sometimes you couldn't get a station. And so it would just be like static on the screen. Man. You're like trying to flip stations and it's just static, static, static. And I just think that's a, a powerful analogy to this, this, um, certainly this thing that I felt in my nervous system. It's just noise. It's background noise. There's so much going on there. It's like to calm that space and to to recognize it first and to feel how through a deep breathing practice and a meditation practice, whatever that might be, Tai Chi, Qigong, seated meditation, you know, contemplative meditation. I mean, all these things lead us to this place of being able to calm the nervous system and to mm. feel that calm you begin to grow this space and this space gives you greater and greater abilities as an observer you 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 recognize the observer and then as space increases you can begin to use that observer to see different aspects of your life 
And then if it's in the moment to see a whole realm of possibilities. So you really grow this ability to be a holistic thinker. And it's at these points then when I'm working with someone um, that I, that we can begin to take pieces out of what they think of as their personality or the way in which they react or mental emotional difficulties or stress and tension. And we can take it out and we can observe it. We can begin to ask questions about it and think about where it comes from. Kind of like a detective, where might this come from? Do you think this, can you see that this programming might, you know, be from, you know, from a teacher or from your parents or, you know, or from, from a religion, you know, some, some kind of thing that we can look at and say, okay, is this, you know, do you believe this or is this, does this feel good to you? How does it feel to you? You know, and of course, when you're going into these deep places where most of the times the corresponding feelings and sensations are not good. In fact, they feel horrible, right? They're just like, oh, it's pain in my body. It's this back. It's my shoulder. It's my neck. It's chronic, whatever. And when they make these connections and they have, they're building this ability to be a holistic thinker then suddenly more and more options begin to open up. It's like there are options on the table and then we can start to talk about techniques to help repattern thoughts. You know, I love Paul Check. He has this one, name it, uh, blame it, or name it, tame it, blame it, or name it, blame Mm. it, tame it. You know, it's just kind of like being able to identify a mind virus, you know, something that is just perpetual. It's just, it's almost like it's chronic in the brain and to be able to name that, you know, like literally give it a name, you know, yeah. like, you know, I had one that I'll just share, you know, I'd get tension headaches and, um, and, and I, and I started seeing and attributing different things to it and, and causes whether hydration or, or, um, not following through or suboptimal choice making or, mm-hmm. and I would get tension headaches. They would suck. I mean, I, I would just, I would just be out sometimes, <laughs> mm. like out. I'd lose a whole day, and I'd just sort of suffer. And I'd <laughs> want someone to come and help and take care of me and rub my head. And and at one point, I like, all right, I'm going to name it, tame it, and blame this. I'm going to name it, blame it, and tame this thing. And so I named it Sorry Head. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you got sorry head. And the idea is with the name it is to name it something that kind of makes you laugh, you know, kind of like, you know, kind of like humor is such a great tool in this space. If we can get to places of seeing humor in our own faults, in our own reactions, in our own mind viruses, or what I like to call mental movies, mm-hmm. when we start seeing the humor and we can laugh at ourselves. That's powerful medicine. Absolutely. Um, and then blaming it, just being able like to, to just kind of let it go, you know, like by let it go, I mean, give it like, you know, blame it like, Hey, because of you, I have suffered because of you. I have, you know, missed out on days because of you. I've felt sorry for myself. I've felt, you know, lethargic, bad, you know, whatever. Um, and so, you know, however, however that comes out, it doesn't, there's no, te- there's no technique there other than really allowing, 
yourself to just really blame it. And, and, mm. uh, and that feels good. It's cathartic. Absolutely. Uh, and then, and then taming it and taming it is the beautiful thing that like rounds out the, the technique, which is you give it gratitude you got to appreciate the hardship. You got to appreciate it. Get to that point where you can be like, thank you for showing me this. I'm grateful for the learning that I have had to suffer through, you know, with these headaches. Uh, and and the, the power of it, of course, is once you've done that, you've identified it. Mm. And in identifying it, naming it, you you set yourself apart from it. So you, you further, you further, uh, the space building as the observer, you know, so now when that comes up again, this too shall pass, this too shall return. But when it returns, it's a little bit different. Absolutely. You know, wow. That's man. Anthony, that was powerful. (laughs) And And I really appreciate you sharing that, especially, um, how you learn from Paul, this idea of name it, blame it, tame it. Yeah. Because what comes up for me is that now we get to disassociate with that specific feeling or negative emotion that's happening in that moment and understanding that, Hey, this, like in your example, sorry head, like sorry head is not me. It's just something that I'm experiencing right now. And as I get to disassociate from it and then, you know, blame it and then tame it, it actually allows me or allows you in this case to move forward and not let it be a detriment or let it be a identifier of who you are. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important for everyone listening to understand is that, you know, you are, you are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings. You're not your emotions. Right. And that there's a higher you that is above all of that. And it takes this awareness that Anthony is speaking on to use that as a first step to disassociate from some of these different feelings and emotions. Because something I love to say is that with awareness comes choice. Mm. So once I'm aware that I am feeling a certain way or that I am showing up in a certain way that's not effective, well, now I have a choice to change, right? If I'm not aware of it, I'm just going to keep doing it because I don't know any better. So I love how awareness seems to be a foundation of what you use with all of your clients, no matter how you're working with them. Truly. Yeah. I think well said. I I just, I, uh, you know, can't, can't underline that enough. I mean, awareness is just, it's just such a, it's such a powerful tool uh, just to, to become aware of sensations in our body, uh, you know, it, it, it begins the foundation for what, what I think are some of the most important daily practices. You know, we talked a lot about, again, this one in HLC, but soul connecting, you know, yes. I mean, that, I mean, that, that requires awareness and, and you need to have a, a practice that is cultivating awareness. Um, and, you know, it's sort of like, the, you know, awareness might be the tool that you're using in your cultivation practice. Right. And so, you know, like for me, Tai Chi or Qigong, it's like I, I'm practicing the awareness of Qi and the sensation of Qi in my body. And the more aware I am, 
the more I feel that chi cultivating, you know, and then, and then when we drop into that soul connecting, you know, the, the awareness of the chi is giving us our answer for our soul connection. And I, and I just think that that's, you know, that's, that's such a beautiful, uh, you know, it's just such a beautiful kind of stream, you know, it's just like this stream of awareness that's moving through, you know, it's like to have the awareness gives you the opportunity to practice gratitude. Absolutely. You know, um, yeah, absolutely. Be another good example of that. For sure. And, and something I, what's coming up for me now is as I think about my own personal growth, I, I'm realizing that I am really jumping into this spiritual awakening, hmm. this where my spirituality has it has been something that I've been working on up to this point, but I would say with my last, um, my experience last week of, you know, sitting down with ayahuasca again mm. and just the types of books that I've been reading and the type of leaders I've been looking into. And, you know, both of us share, share Paul Check's work. And that's something that he's extremely big into. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm realizing that this is the next evolution in my growth. And like, for me, it started on the physical side and then, you know, also with the nutrition and then I started working on my stillness practice. And that's how like my spiritual growth and my spiritual muscles started to get worked on. But now I feel like I'm in this point where, man, this is so much on my heart that Mm -hmm. I get to now talk about and speak about openly Mm -hmm. because I realized that that's my highest self speaking. And that before then, whenever I would talk myself out of speaking in that way or showing up that powerfully, you know, that would be my my smaller self or, you know, some would say the ego Hmm. that was getting in the way, almost making up stories like, who am I to talk about those types of things? Who am I to show up powerfully and be an example for others to potentially follow if they feel it resonates or who am I to talk about these things when I've done all of these other things that in the past I used to beat myself up about, but now bringing it to this present moment, I understand that it it's made me exactly who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm curious with you and like in your own personal experience and then people that you've worked with, how important is the is the spiritual growth in somebody's journey and how can a person start to build those spiritual muscles mm-hmm. with meditation and other things that we've spoken about yeah well <clears throat> so I'd begin answering that question by saying that I think that it is uh in a way, I would say it's the most important thing, and that um, when we are able to progress through our own lives with with really good guidance and mentorship and elderhood and ceremony, you know these sorts of things that are ancient and they are. Um, primal. I mean, they are deeply, deeply ancestral. And unfortunately, we have lost most of 
every one of those that I just spoke of. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at elderhood, um, you know, we could have long conversations unpacking each of these mentorship, um, you know, ceremony, I would put in community in there, you know, kind of more tribal style community where people are really, uh, you know, fiercely egalitarian and, uh, everyone is helping each other and you know the men go out and hunt together and bring food home and share and and you know men and women um, doing both both of these categories of course i'm just sort of speaking in what's understood in tribal hunter-gatherer populations that we can still study but you know the foraging and bringing the forage home and and um you know, these ex- deep experiences of, of um, storytelling and, you know, really gathering as, you know, gathering as, um, as a community that deeply knows and loves and trusts each other. And um, as young, young girls and young boys going through very significant rites of passage, you know, rites of passage that really mark the change from childhood to um, adulthood and um, a functioning member of the tribe, one that finds their, you know, their whatever their, um, you know, real, real addition is or whatever, you know, their gift is or whatever their medicine is that they can really identify often through these rites of passage and bring that back and share and, you know, become a, a real functioning, contributing member of the you know, of the community or of the tribe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I outline all of this because I gotta say that this is, this is stuff that is just mostly missing from modern culture. And these were the things that would really create a deep sense of spirituality and a profound sense of connection to the awe and the mystery and, you know, the creator, the provider, you know, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, a deep sense of animism where you just have this connection to the energy that's in all things because you're so intimately connected with the soil and the water and the sun and the moon and the stars and the animals that you hunt and the plants that you forage and and use for medicine and, you know, and just all these gifts, you know, that you're just inextricably linked to, deeply interdependent and woven into the fabric of what it is to be a human and without these you know we are spiritually bereft you know we're like lost at sea especially in step modern agriculture you know 10,000 years ago or maybe even 12,000 years ago and with it uh, you know these agricultural based religions and just furthering this separation you know of man from from nature and, and man from the lover and the deep profound, you know, the lover archetype being like this deep profound love of everything and love right. of intimate connection to all things. Um, you know, and, and so as so much of this is no, not here and, you know, so many of these things have been changed or narrowed or, you know, in, in the case of religion, they've they've been they've been, you know, pushed to this place of the devil and sin, and you know, just you know, you just start to see how much how many of the cards are just stacked against us. And so, um, I would answer by saying that a spiritual development and and really 
beginning to exercise the spiritual muscle is essential. And I think that one of those most profound ways, first and foremost, is a reconnection to the natural world. Yep. And so, you know, when I'm working with someone, that's one of the first things. I mean, breathing is the first thing. And then this observation practice meditation, you know, like growing the observer, growing this holistic ability to think, um, with what would be seemingly disparate thoughts, you know, but really being able to see the whole. And then from that, being able to navigate and, you know, change mental emotional patterns. And, you know, and I, I find all of that to be deeply spiritual. Um, and then reconnecting to nature <clears throat> and finding our place, you know, and, and whatever that is for you. But for most people, it's something that is, like getting out into the forest, getting out, hiking, walking, you know, um, you know, and then on and on from there. I mean, it can, of course, get into recreational hobbies and, you know, and this type of thing. But but really being underneath a dark sky and, mm -hmm. you know, contemplating the vastness of space and really, mm. you know, being able to begin to connect to you know, all this beautiful literature and philosophy and mystical, you know, spirituality and, you know, the mystical branches of all the religions and, you know, and, and starting to read into these things and, you know, perhaps finding some insight and some inspiration there to deepen those practices, to deepen, um, you know, your own journey around these things. And, um, you know, and then kind of bringing it down from the 10,000 mile view into practical daily things. It's, you know, it's, it's really reconnecting to the things that, you know, bring you in touch with those creative, deeply sensual and sexual energies, which I also consider to be highly spiritual. And so, you know, connecting to art, connecting to, you know, perhaps writing, you know, poetry, you know, um, you know, listening to, you know, beautiful music, um, going into guided meditations, you know, working with other therapists and practitioners to do all forms of techniques, including sound healings and sound baths and, you know, um, going to immersion tanks and uh, acupuncture and cranial sacral and, you know, move, move into all forms <clears throat> of therapy which heal but they heal through a deep sense of awareness and as again the, the, this beautiful word that you used awareness as our awareness grows we're flexing and and learning how to really use that spiritual muscle um, and we begin to feel more authentic in our own body and so that authenticity that we feel in our own body is just a deep connection to who we really are as, as, as one human being, you know? I mean, it's like this quote, I, I don't know who said it, unfortunately, but it's like, be yourself because everyone else is taken. <laughs> right. Love you know, that. that's a deeply spiritual statement mm -hmm. because that takes a lot of work, man, to get to that place where you can just be totally yourself and like in love with yourself, you know, and, and more than that, just have the ability to be genuine 
and 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 genuinely you and then therefore and then you sh- and then you begin showing up and day to day becomes different and it becomes special and you begin to start to really feel and grasp these things that you know we've been reading about like how do you really live in gratitude how do you really have a practice daily where this is you know this is the best day ever like david avocado wolf says his tagline best day ever what does he mean by that well that's a deeply spiritual statement that's you know there there are practices there that get get people there there are ways in which we can really live that way and i think that um at the core of it is feeling like being in your own body is like being home Mm, i love that yeah being in your own body is like being home Mm -hmm. man that's deep and man i'm I'm so i'm just taking this all in like i feel like i'm getting coached up right now and i absolutely <laughs> love it and i appreciate it so much and man for, for everyone that's listening like i hope you can really take in some of these great things that anthony is saying because it's like if you really want to reconnect to a spiritual practice or build your spirituality up it really starts with reconnecting to the natural world and you know, Anthony gave us so many beautiful ways of incorporating that into our lives through meditation, you know, practices that let you observe the observer, being able to find your place in nature. So wherever you live, if you're in a mountainous place, like, you know, go hike up in those mountains. If you're in South Florida, like me, like go walk barefoot through the sand and mm-hmm. like get in the ocean and, mm-hmm. and man, let yourself like just, just recharge in that way. And then also, reconnect to like these these sensual and and sexual energies that we have that can be obtained through art writing poetry you know listening to beautiful music guided meditation uh sound bath sound healing like there's so many ways that you can go about doing it and i think what you touched on anthony that resonated with me the most is be yourself and love yourself as you are Hmm. because you are the only unique expression of yourself that is ever going to exist in this world and as we spoke about earlier in the talk like there's so much conditioning going on around who we think we are supposed to be how we are supposed to act how we are supposed to look how we how we are supposed to show up Hmm. and at the end of the day to me like you know majority of that stuff is silly like not everyone is going to fit in the same box like we are all individual souls with a unique purpose and a unique voice a unique look and i know for myself like especially coming off of my last ayahuasca experience it's um it's so important for me to fully embody who i am and all of my gifts and how i decide to show up in the world and I'm so happy that that this has been my first conversation through the podcast since I've been back through that trip. Yeah. And, uh, and Anthony, nice. I don't think it's any accident, that's for sure. That's yeah, wonderful. Love it. Yeah. Well, a- Anthony, is there is there any one thing that you want to leave the listeners with for them to continue to better themselves and to be able to just become that better? best highest version of themselves 
Yeah, I mean, as you were, you know, as you were just sharing, and then as you just asked that question, I mean, the thing that comes to mind immediately is breathing and breath. You know, I mean, it's just through through a simple practice of breathing that we we move we move into all these other realms. You know, like breath literally is the key that opens the door to the life you want to live. Breath is the key that opens the door to um, healing the deepest traumas uh, any, any human being has experienced. You know, breath is the key to opening, you know, the channels in your body and and really connecting you and grounding you Um, without it. uh, We just, we, we won't get there. And so um, it's the most simple tool um, and, you know, we do it, um, however many tens of thousands of times each day, 26,000 or whatever the number is. Um, and, uh, that's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. You can restore that breathing with the, with the simple understanding of a diaphragmatic breath. Um, and, you know, and from that, you can apply that to everything that you're doing, um, and I would lastly say that uh, along with the, this idea of breathing is for me and for all the people that I work with, I've, I've found that the most profound transformation happens when we are able to, in difficult moments, whether they be at work or you know, stuck in traffic or in a moment with your relationships, um, when we are able to remember our breathing and we drop into that breath we begin to have the most profound shifts because it's in the challenging areas you know it's like (laughs) then suddenly we we lean into whatever those challenges are um, through the through the practice of breath and so yeah i mean that to me that's just that is the that's the number one the number one um gift i think that we all have that we can continue to gift ourselves each day mm, shout out to the breath anthony i love that we yeah hey. and, and i think i think everyone that's listening right now like understand that your breath is with you all the time and like anthony said is something that you do damn near twenty six thousand times a day so why not take the time to learn about your breath, check in on how you're breathing. Are you simply just breathing shallowly into your chest or are you taking those deeper, more luscious diaphragmatic breaths into your body? And I invite you to become a master of your breath because Mm -hmm. if you can master your breath, so many other things in your life can be optimized. And it really does start there. Yeah. Yeah, man. Anthony, man. My brother, hey, I hope. Brother, <laughs> I appreciate you so much. This was incredible. So many amazing downloads and insights that happened during this time together. Yeah. Where can all of the listeners find you and your work? Uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of it is, uh, I have a website, anthonybarronkirk.com. Um, that would be real, real primary. Um I'm, I'm kind of hit and miss on Instagram, but if there is a platform that I'm doing 
stuff on and responding or, or checking in with, you know, other beautiful folks such as yourself, it would be Instagram. And that's, um, that's at Anthony, at, at Anthony Baron Kirk. Also. Yeah. That's perfect. Nice and consistent across the board, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What I'll make sure I do is that I put your website and your Instagram name inside of the show notes and make sure everyone listening can go on there and check you out. Anthony, my brother, I appreciate you so much for your time and I'm so grateful and looking forward to building our brotherhood going forward. Likewise. Yeah, this was awesome. I'd love to <laughs> I'd love to do it again. I mean, I think we could probably you know, talk about a hundred different topics and it'd be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, no, I'm definitely going to have you back on the show and I can already see we're definitely going to be collaborating on some great projects into the future. Yeah. Agreed. Right on Alvy. Right on brother. Appreciate you, my man. Yeah. Much love.